Well, hello there, listeners. It's Susie New here, past president of the Australian Society of Anesthetists, and welcome to our podcast. It's called Australian Anesthesia, and it's where we talk about all things relevant to anesthesia in Australia. Some of you who've listened to this podcast may have noticed that we've just changed the theme music. So I want to start by, first of all, thanking Dr. Mark Suss, who is an anesthetist here in Melbourne and also hardworking member of the Australian Society of Anesthetists Victorian Committee, as well as our Communications Committee. I hope you enjoyed the music. I love it. My brief to him was something upbeat and representing anaesthesia. The other thing that some of you might have noticed is that I've just introduced myself as the past president of the Australian Society of Anesthetists. I was delighted at our AGM on the 11th of October to be handing over the role to Dr. Andrew Miller, who is an anaesthetist from Perth and former president of the AMA in Western Australia. He brings to the role an incredible amount of experience, and I really look forward to seeing where he takes the ASA. Congratulations, Andrew. In terms of my reflections on this role, I want to first of all thank you, our listeners, for listening to this podcast. It's been an incredible journey and it's been incredible you coming along with me on it. I started as acting president back in January 2019 and it's been a long presidency. I think it's been the longest in the history of the ASA and a lot to summarize in a podcast. So I'm not going to even try, but for those of you who are interested, you can watch my Jeffrey K. Oration. It's the final address of the outgoing president and an opportunity to share our reflections It's a pretty unique position to be observing the specialty of anaesthesia in Australia. For those nearly three years, I received feedback from so many people from around the country and I got to meet some incredible people and be asked some incredibly interesting questions about anaesthesia in Australia. The Jeffrey K. Oration is available on YouTube and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. One of the things I presented at the AGM was that this podcast has had 100,000 downloads, which is incredible. I don't closely follow the numbers. I figure if this podcast just benefits one person out there, then it was worth doing. But when I saw that in my report, I was blown away. So thank you, listeners, for coming with me, for joining me in these conversations. Whilst we're talking about the AGM, I thought I would just mention some of the highlights from the meeting. Like all our meetings, I started by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we meet. And I did so by presenting a painting by Oral Roberts, who's an artist from what we would call the northern part of New South Wales. The artwork that I presented was gifted to the ASA by past president David Scott. It's a representation of Australian anaesthesia, as well as Oral's close connection with the Bundjalung land and culture. In my president's report, I then summarised the work of the ASA in the last financial year, And it was a lot to summarise. I think this year's report started out at about 60 pages. I started by talking about our strategic plan, which was reviewed earlier this year. Our vision, the future that we would like to see, is practitioners in all area of anaesthesia and related medicine are functioning at your best, whatever that means for you, in the delivery of anaesthetic and perioperative care. And functioning at your best has different meanings for different people. So how we work to achieve this vision is through our mission. It's what we do today. And what is it that we do? We support, represent and educate our members and the Australian anaesthesia community so that we're providing high quality health care that ensures patient safety. 
Some of the things that we are doing to support anaesthetists include having a dedicated email. It's support at asa.org.au and it goes directly to the CEO who can put you in contact confidentially with a counsellor who also is an anaesthetist because sometimes you want to talk to someone who understands what you do. It's also through this email that you can access the Benevolent Fund. We also in the last year invested a lot in education by putting our committee members and also our trainee members through psychological first aid and mental health first aid courses. And we also offer a scholarship for members who are returning to work to do the crash course. This course is a fantastic resource for people who are returning to work from a period of leave, whether it be for sick leave, parental leave, or even coming back from a non-anesthetic fellowship. I do talk with the developers of the course, Dr. Cara Allen and Jeanette Wright, in a podcast. Uh, The episode number is number 26, so I suggest you go back and listen to that podcast if you're interested. And remember that there is an ASA scholarship to support you if you're interested in doing it. In terms of supporting our global community, which has been far greater impacted by the pandemic than we have been here in Australia, we donated $5,000 to the WFSA Uniting for Oxygen Appeal. The money raised from that appeal provides oxygen delivery equipment to hospitals in Africa. We also assisted in the donation of 24,000 N95s from the medical pantry to the Solomon Islands and donated $7,500 for the purchase of equipment in Myanmar. Some of our events raised a significant amount of money, over $13,000, which was donated to Lifebox, which provides oximeters and education to developing countries. We also, at the start of the financial year, along with our sister societies in the Common Issues Group, pledged our support for promoting environmental sustainability. And I look forward to bringing you some more news on that front in coming months. For many of us, performing at our best means also feeling safe and protected at work. Thank you to the Clean Space Halo pilot group who helped develop resources to help individuals use the Clean Space Halo. This device is a powered air purifying respirator that's made in Australia. And if you want to learn more about it, then please go back and listen to podcast episode number 20, where I chat with Rob Wengritsky and Chris O'Loughlin about how they rolled out the Clean Space Halo in their operating theatres. We continue to offer scholarships to attend the Common Issues Group meetings. So that's the American Society of Anaesthetists, the Association of Anaesthetists of Great Britain and Ireland, the New Zealand Society of Anaesthetists, the Canadian Anaesthesia Society, and the South African Society of Anaesthetists. We offer scholarships for trainees to attend the meetings in America, Canada, or the UK. And despite the travel restrictions, we are committed to honour those who were successful in being awarded their scholarship. We also continue to award our research prizes and grants, which are overseen by the SPARC Committee, our Science, Prizes, Awards and Research Committee. Although we have recently added the requirement that for a number of our scholarships, you have to have been a member of the ASA for at least 12 months. So please be aware of that if you are applying or if you're encouraging other people to apply. In terms of how we represent anaesthetists, we did an incredible amount of advocacy regarding COVID and in particular PPE and vaccination. I've represented the ASA on the National COVID-19 Clinical Evidence Task Force Steering Committee and there's been a number of ASA members who've been working very hard in the various groups and subcommittees within that task force. 
There's also been a significant amount of work on managed care. And again, multiple, multiple episodes of this podcast have been on managed care. Public and private agreements are causing a lot of concern for the ASA, particularly the offers that haven't taken into account the way we practice and what that means for patient safety. So we are working very hard on that and there'll be more updates soon. We've worked with multiple, multiple stakeholders. Over the years, we've built up some great relationships with people within the Department of Health at federal and at state level, and also other related and stakeholder organizations. And this is a level that is created and maintained by the ASA. And it's something that I, for example, as an individual, can't or would struggle to create on my own. And one of the key roles of what we do as an organization. Accompanying the advocacy work, we've put out a number of media releases. Again, they can be found on the ASA website. And we've been included in over 70 media reports. ASA members would have access to our position statements. And for the first time, we'll be making some of these publicly available. So you should start seeing those emerging on our website. One of the key activities that people don't realise that we do is advocate for individual members as well. So for example, in the last year, members have received letters from the Medicare Audits branch that can be very distressing. No one likes being accused of Medicare fraud, especially when it hasn't occurred. And these letters can be accompanied with demands for massive repayments. Also, private health insurers can write to members and query their billing patterns. And often it's a simple misunderstanding. It's something that's very obvious to a clinician as to why practice occurred in a certain way. And that's where we, as the ASA, will get involved and point these out. There's also been some other issues, such as when people have issues in their workplace. It might be to do with after-hours rostering, or there may be other insurance-related issues. It might be related to hospital accreditation or medical registration. And again, this is where the ASA can get involved as a group of experienced clinicians to help with the negotiations. And I'm pleased to say that all the queries that we've had of that nature this year have been resolved successfully on behalf of our members. It's also been a really big year for education for the ASA. If you haven't seen it yet, then please visit the ASA Ed page on our website. It's fantastic. You'll find content there for almost everyone. In the last financial year, we held 62 educational events, which have seen thousands of attendees coming. Thank you to everyone who's joined in. Many of those have been recorded and you'll be able to find the recordings on the ASA Ed page. Our premier publication is the scientific journal Anesthesia and Intensive Care. It now has a circulation of over 14,000 and we have over half a million article downloads per year. Not a bad effort at all. A paper from our journal that was published this year won the David Zuck Prize from the History of Anesthesia Society in the UK. This prize is awarded to the best paper in the history of anesthesia globally. And not only did we win it this year, but this is the third year in a row that we've won it. So congratulations to the authors and to the journal. I will be talking more about the journal and the prizes in a podcast that's due out soon, so please do subscribe if you want to hear it. In terms of the board and the operations of the ASA, one of the biggest, biggest events this year was that we moved office. I showed a brief video of the new premises at the AGM. It's very exciting, 
And it was also quite a reality check to see the office with all the boxes still unpacked because Sydney was in a lockdown at the time of our move. I think that's got to be one of the most stressful things that an office team can embark on. So well done to Mark Carmichael, our CEO, and the office team for making it all happen. The other big undertaking by the ASA office team this year was to release our revised logo, which was first developed over 40 years ago. It's been a few years in the making, this new logo, so I really want to thank the communications team for all their work on this. You'll see it on the podcast cover art. I hope you're enjoying it and you'll also see it on our new website. One of the great pleasures at the AGM is the announcing of awards. This year, we awarded the Gilbert Brown Award to Dr. Vida Villayunas. The award is made to an individual who's made outstanding and particularly meritorious service to the ASA and to anaesthesia in Australia. I'm hoping most trainees would have heard of Vida. She's been tireless in her development of the ASA online practice fivers for the first part exam as well as for the final exam. She's also incredibly proactive in professional development and advancing the careers of her colleagues. So she'll get her name entered on the honour board and also receive a lapel badge and medal. And she is the third woman to be awarded the Gilbert Brown since it was first awarded in 1969. I also announced the winner of the President's Award. Now this award is made by the President, the Vice President and the immediate past President to a member who's contributed significantly to the affairs of the ASA. The person who usually gets this award has done an incredible amount of work. It's often behind the scenes, but it's very, very much seen and appreciated by the senior leadership and hence why this award was created. This year it's gone to Professor Alicia Dennis, who you may not have known, but she undertook a major role in compiling, developing, researching and documenting the ASA response to the Medicare Benefits Schedule Review. So she'll also get her name entered on an honour board and receive a medal and citation. And she also becomes the third woman to receive this award. I finished my president's report by saying a huge, huge thank you to the many people on the committees of the ASA. It's you, me, our members that make up the ASA. There's over 200 people on the committees and I'm always blown away about how passionate people are about the Australian Society of Anesthetists. And of course, I couldn't have done this role without the support of my family and my colleagues at work. And then finally, we rounded out the AGM by confirming the nominations for President and Vice President. So as I mentioned before, congratulations to Andrew Miller, who was voted in as President of the ASA, and also to Dr Mark Sinclair, who is now the Vice President of the ASA. Congratulations, both of you. I look forward to seeing where you take the ASA. I'll still be floating around. I'm still on the board for another two years as the immediate past president, where I hope to support some of the better ideas from the last few years and nurture them into fruition. One of those ideas has been the development of this podcast. Those who've been regular listeners of the podcast might also have noticed that there's been a few themes that I've enjoyed. So I really paid a lot of attention to make sure that I was getting as many, if not more, women on the podcast. The other thing was that this was a very unique time for women in leadership in anesthesia, and I've tried to bring some of those voices to this podcast as well. I certainly hope to continue those, and I'll also be looking more closely at the work of some of our members in the ASA, because I know that there's a lot of you out there, like Maxus, who's contributed the theme music to the podcast, who are very talented. So I am looking for you. 
So if you're doing anything interesting or exciting or just outside the box that's related to anesthesia, or if you know of someone who is, then please do get in touch with me. The best email will be asa at asa.org.au. Okay, until then, I hope you're staying well and always stay safe out there. This episode of the Australian Anesthesia Podcast was produced by the Australian Society of Anesthetists, otherwise known as the ASA. More episodes can be found on the ASA website, asa.org.au. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to receive the latest episodes. And of course, you're welcome to share them as widely as you wish. Please send any feedback to the ASA by emailing asa at asa.org.au. Music was by Mark Suss, and we hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you.